0: This is Graphic Interventions.
1: Hello, I'm Harriet Atkinson, a historian of art and design, and the host of this podcast series, Graphic Interventions. In each episode, I interview one maker about one thing they've made a poster, a banner, a zine to discover why that thing came about, what it meant then, and how it resonates now. My focus in this series of interviews is on how political conversations are initiated, enlivened and made visible through the graphic form. In this episode, I meet Dominic McGill and Michael Collins of Paris 68 Redux. They start by introducing themselves.
0: I'm Dominic McGill. Uh, Michael Collins. Paris 68 Redux started over several beers, uh, reading or looking. I was showing Michael the Atelier Populaire book that came out in 2017, edited by Philip Vermes, who was the photographer who took all the photographs of the Atelier Populaire stuff. And we were both looking at it and going, "These, these are amazing, and they're really spot on. They're still 50 years later, they're still spot on." By the end of the evening, we just went, let's, let's just print some and stick them up. We knew that Brexit was coming. In one way, it was a sort of just F off to Brexit. The fact that it was French was even better. Everything that they were talking about was still relevant. It was, its 50 years, it was a 50-year anniversary of the 68 student riots in Paris. And it just seemed like, as Don's just said, totally pertinent. So much of it absolutely spot on at that time as well. So we sent the sets to Macron. We didn't like them because so he didn't say thank you. We started pasting them up in London, in, in Brighton, and a few mm. other places. And right on the heel of that came the Trump protests and the Brexit protests. And we just carried on making posters. Basically, that's how we started. The, the Paris 68 name came. Our, our friend Tracy tracked down Philip Vermes in Paris and spoke to him. And then we, we kind of... You know, email backwards and forwards to say, you know, are, we okay? are you okay with us using all this stuff? Because the introduction to the book is about it not being used in bourgeois galleries, and it's all, to, you know, for the struggle. And he said, look, if I'm quite happy that you're using it for those things, you know, do it with our blessing. But all our stuff carries a studio chop, whether it was the Sorbonne or the Atelier Populaire. Just come up with your own studio chop. So, we came up with Paris 68 Redux, you know, revisited and stamped everything with that. So, that kind of satisfied that and be what we like now.
1: Could you describe what you're going to be focusing on today?
0: Well, they are the pieces that are behind us because we've just finished printing them or we're in the middle of printing them. They are all images of clowns. These, these are all for the August Rebellion uh, with the Extinction Rebellion. It just seemed that. This was the time to do clowns. Part of the campaign for Extinction Rebellion in, in, in August is to, you know, be responsible, demand the impossible. And then there was obviously the fact that Boris Johnson—well, he's clearly a clown—but um, <laughs> so many cartoonists portray him as a clown that it also had that that second reference, which was really helpful. I mean, it. The clown can p- play both ways. We, I, I found these, these images of Lon Chaney. Well, it's, it's Lon Cheney and Bozo, but Lon, Lon Cheney particularly, it just evokes, as soon as you look at him and the, the faces that he pulls, it's half the, po- half the poster right there. It sort of grabs you.
1: Could you tell me a little bit about the way that you work?
0: Very much the way that we work is we're very, very schooled in sort of Society of the Spectacle, Guy de Bourg, the whole notion of detourment, of stealing things and turning them around and sending them back, it's very much part of the way we work. We stole these images. It's just the, the text, be responsible, demand the impossible, and then demand the impossible, of those responsible, is lifted from the old situationist thing, which I, the original was be rational, demand the impossible, I think sort of bringing it up to the minute with be responsible obviously because well especially in the light of the report that's come out today we've all got to be responsible or or we're toast
1: could you say something now about your font choices and the and the particular color palettes that you've chosen for these posters
0: The font was actually a very, uh, it was a gift from my father who is a very avid junk shop visitor and accumulates all kinds of stuff, including lots of stamp sets, lots of boxes of old letterpress. And this one, it has that kind of fairground circus vibe. So it was perfect for this. And as to the the colour palette, it originally starts from the kind of XR palette where they kind of certain things to, to be used for XR work which we sort of used to a certain extent and then got louder and louder and just jumbled it up more and more. And they're they're very bright, you know, as near to fluoro as we can get. One of the big breakthroughs for us in terms of the colour was finding a relatively cheap source of coloured paper. Because before that, when we first started the project, we were printing on newsprint, just like the Italia Popolare. And then we started hand colouring newsprint with rollers and then printing on that it's very slow and that we were we were like yearning and yearning to get brighter and then someone introduced us to Fred Rigoni, who uh, an Italian paper uh, manufacturer affordable enough that we can use their paper to make posters it's nowhere near as cheap as using newsprint Um, it's a hell of a lot quicker than painting it the colour just gives you so much more punch all of this stuff goes out to Painting the streets groups across Britain, so Bristol, Birmingham, Brighton, and you need that kind of punch when you're pasting stuff up on the street so that people notice it? Par- parceling stuff up today to send out to different groups, people who will be putting it up in places that obviously we can't do all of it. We do a lot ourselves, but you know, there's a limit to what two old blokes can do, really. But, uh, but we, I think we push the limit. <laughs>
1: So what, what is it about posters within this particular struggle that is so resonant, do you think?
0: It's real stuff, isn't it? I think it's one of the things. It's, yeah. it's stuck on walls. It becomes part of the fabric of the environment that it goes into. It's not, obviously we use social media and stuff to spread things wider than, you know, stuff's gone to us. People have taken up on the way we do things in Australia and different parts of this country, other parts in Europe as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. So yeah it's is good to be able to get it out there that way. You yeah, what we do is is a very physical thing. Also we we combine what we're doing here with uh, running poster workshops. Our whole process of making is that we we have about 50-60 active screens at any one time a lot of those are backgrounds that you can then lay another image over and there are that immediately gives you 40 50 different options you can then print backgrounds you take a big pile of backgrounds to a poster workshop and then we have hundreds of stencils and then people can choose from all the different messaging that's there and different images text um, and create their own posters there's something in the process in making those choices about what you're actually going to make your post into where you what you're trying to say becomes so much more concrete
1: who is part of paris 68 redux is it just the two of you or are there other members too
0: Paris 68 isn't just us, there are lots of other people who are involved either in making stuff, uh, in suggesting uh, messaging, quite a collab, I mean we wanted it to be collaborative. I mean obviously we can't be exactly like like Atelier Populaire was because that was a one-month thing. It was May 68 and everybody was completely and utterly committed 24 hours a day you know we've been doing this for four years now but it is a very collaborative project well, one of the nice things as dom's saying when you've got the pile of stencils that we can throw out on a large if you've got a large space with a floor when you give people a blank sheet of paper very often there's even if you do these kind of things all the time there's that kind of fear of the blank page if you give people there's already something there to react to. People are much easier with just throwing things around and less inhibitive and it's it's fantastic.
1: Are you mainly focused on climate issues or are there other causes that you align yourselves with?
0: The climate crisis is a product of neoliberal economic policy and I think that we are critics of neoliberalism. Uh, of free market capitalism. It's all part of the same problem. The overarching thing right now is the climate emergency.
1: So, are you working very closely with Extinction Rebellion, or, or do you consider yourself part of that?
0: Uh, well, it's a bit of both. It, a bit it? of both. We're involved in lots of groups where we sort of ping ideas backwards and forwards with each other. One of the people who almost got involved right at the beginning of Power 68 Redux. Is a guy called Charlie Waterhouse, who's one of the key people at Extinction Rebellion. We realised that we were on the same wavelength. And I think they, you know, they also started tipping their hats to the Italia Populaire. For all of us, it, it, that is the key point. That's where we all started from. When you see that things work... You see the power, the artwork from the Italia Populare and how so many people ha- are so reverential about it. You, just, you have to pay attention. You know, now XR are looking to the sort of civil rights protests in the 60s in America and seeing how they worked and how they could hold politicians to account by embarrassing them. You have to look, look for things that work.
1: So, how big is your print run? And tell me a little bit about where you expect these posters to end up.
0: In terms of size of print run, we just kind of fire out as much stuff as we can and as much as people will use. Making like a four-color print on a hand-pull screen is—it's you know, quite a slow process. You can—you can. You can do a 100 an hour kind of thing, roughly, for one colour. But if you've got four colours, that's four hours to get four colours, a bit of drying time, stuff like that. So, you know, it's it's not super quick. It's, you know, a lot of the stuff I've been bundling up today to go out for XR is commercially printed. Obviously, that limits what you can do. You don't get the variety within a print run that we get because we'll chuck one colour into another and run them through. So there's a lot more variation in background and overlay and stuff like that. We're pretty low-tech. We're pretty unskilled, actually, is another way of putting it. Yeah, we're, we're both Scots, Scots. Um, and this this we literally learned to print to do this project. Neither of us, I don't think, had printed for about 40 years until 2017, when we a little kind of refresher thing at the London Print Studio, which is really sadly no longer in existence, which was set up by a guy called John Phillips, who was the Paddington Print shop, Paddington Print Shop, which were, yeah, kind of very much an activist print, in West London doing a lot of stuff for squatters rights anti-racist stuff he was very helpful and they were, they were very helpful um, yeah we learned a lot there but then we learned a lot more stuff from a friend of ours Lucy that's helped us with producing the actual screens and things that we work with and he's now donating her studio to us because she's moving, which is very kind. It's, you know, it's, it's a, bit, oh, a bit organic, I think it's probably the word, isn't it? We, we just kind of made it up as we go along and we're not hidebound by having been printmakers and trying to be perfect in things. We just, you know, like the errors, like we made a virtue of, of our ineptitude. <laughs> Show, I still show with the gallery in New York, but I, I really don't have the taste for the art world at the moment. I feel it's completely redundant. It's it's become a neoliberal machine. It's not about art anymore. It's just about money. This seems a much more worthwhile thing to be doing. My, my work was always political. The art world doesn't want to know about politics. It's context, isn't it? it when, when you, as soon as you put something in a gallery, it, it no longer has the punch... That it has when you see it on the street. The fact that it's for sale nibbles away how genuine it is. Whereas these are things made to be stuck up in the street. You know they're not they're not for sale. Having said that, we have we have <coughs> flogged a few here and there, but that just goes back into the the ink fund. There is one further poster that we haven't printed yet. The, Mari- the Mario Savio speech about throwing yourself upon the gears, which. Just right now is exactly where we're at. We have to throw ourselves on the gears, on the cars, on the machinery and stop it. That is just a plain text done with a stamp set, two stamp sets.
1: Do you have a sense as to which posters have the most power?
0: When you give a bunch of posters and they just go out and paste them up on the wall and they might tear them, they sort of juxtapose them. The whole thing of pasting them up and sort of street collaging them takes them to another level. Now, early on, we were, we were talking about a paste up, but here we are, we're, we're still in the middle of printing. The whole act of collaging them just magnifies the, the message, gives it layers uh, and more depth. It sort of reaches to different points.
1: That was Dominic McGill and Michael Collins from Paris 68 Redux. If you want to follow their work, you can find them on Instagram at Paris 68 Redux or at XR underscore print workshop. In the next episode, I'll be meeting Darren Cullen from Spelling Mistakes Cost Lives. In the meantime, thanks for listening.
0: If you've enjoyed Graphic Interventions, please subscribe, rate and review wherever you're listening. Graphic Interventions is made by Harriet Atkinson and funded by the Arts and Humanities Research Council.